0: Welcome back to South Carolina Murder Mondays with your host, Nicole. Not all names will be added for safety and privacy reasons to protect all the families. Her name was Mary Alice Matthews Newell, born November 25, 1930, in Effingham, South Carolina. Mary was a victim to Pee-wee, one that possibly changed Pee-wee forever. Pee-wee left Mary for dead in a ditch, but little did he know she would survive to tell her story. Mary went on in life to retire from Tomlinson's department store in Hemingway, South Carolina, and after retirement, she enjoyed working in her flower beds and spending time with friends and family. Mary passed away on Thursday, November 5, 2015. Pee-wee made sure nobody lived after her.
1: They call themselves neck gators, is what the people call themselves.
0: Prospect was like any other town and community. It had its nicer places and rougher spots. In many readings and words from other people, you hear about the Neck. I've been told to this day to still stay away from this area. Here is a local's description. So what is the Neck?
1: The Neck is a an, an area that I, I think it was called the Neck because it's shaped like a neck. It's shaped like a chicken neck.
2: Okay.
1: And it's a, it's a road. And it's, it, it's off of 341. And it's a, an area that has a lot of rough people in it. Um, Caucasians. Um, and, and it had a, two or three stores. Tar Babies and a couple other. Tar Babies, the Sugar Shack, a couple other stores slash bars. And the joke, well, you know, you go to the neck on Saturday night to get your face fixed. <laughs> so so I, I don't know if, it, I haven't, I don't even know if there's a store down there now because um, I haven't been down there in a while. But, it's, but it was an area that, that uh, you know, the, the police didn't like to go down there and stuff. I mean. But, you know, people didn't drink. He didn't cuss. Didn't, he, he was very respectful and everything. He, with, with uh, you know, with, with older people and everything.
0: sounds to me like Wee wouldn't fit in but he went and hung out often so talking about him seems like he had manners he had yes
1: yeah he was very polite and he like i said he didn't drink you'd think you know he, he did and he did not like people that did he did not like drunks
0: So how could Pee-wee be so polite to people, especially older than him? I'm no expert, but I'd say he had a serious case of bipolar. Now I know times are a lot different than they were back then.
1: The one story that I got from Dad was when he was was in school and the teacher was going to paddle him. And he stabbed the teacher or cut the teacher and jumped out the window and ran. I think that's the last time he went to school. Everybody carried knives to school. We had guns in our trucks in the parking lot. I mean, it was it was a different time, you know. Everybody had a pocket knife. Everybody had a pocket knife, a handkerchief, and a comb.
0: Now, if you don't know Pee Wee, let me paint you a picture. He was approximately five foot four and one hundred and thirty pounds. So that's how he got the nickname Pee Wee. He was only about four pounds when he was born, but from a very early age, he was just bad such a small man with tiny hands with a squeaky voice but so dangerous i tell you what he must have been a flash of lightning because he was good at escaping Pee-wee had to be smart everyone he worked for says he was a hard worker and he was fixing cars on his own about the age of 11 he just had a way with people he could make you believe him and have you fall right into his trap this is the voice of kenneth waits he served on the juror in the trial of 1977 in newberry county south carolina
2: it was moving the trial up here because he had jumped out of a window in a courthouse of another location you know he did things like he escaped
1: one time and they sent hound dogs after him and he caught the dogs and tied them to a tree because he had worked with the dogs while he was in reform school
0: during a trial in florence south carolina Pee-wee jumped out of the second-story window of a courthouse and got away. It's thought that he may have broken his ankle, but it didn't stop him. He took off on foot, and when the dogs caught up with him, he tied them to a tree. He circled back around and wrote through the dust on the cop car his name and took back off. just like it seemed like fun and games to him. He must have thought to himself... How close can I get without getting caught? From that day on, he walked with a limp, but it didn't slow him down. A few really close friends to Pee-wee said when he was behind closed doors, he would sometimes walk without that limp.
1: He and a guy I knew, and I knew this guy. I knew him growing up. He and a guy I knew or paid money
0: the Florence trial was moved to Newberry County in South Carolina the trial was for the murder of Silas Yates it was alleged that Susan Longlegs Owens hired Peewee as a hitman to kill her former boyfriend over a car Gaskins and his accomplice John William Powell were accused of murdering Yates General Forge. You were on the trial of Pee Wee in Newberry, South Carolina, correct? That's correct. Do you remember what year that was?
2: 1977. Uh, My youngest son had been born 10 days earlier. This happened in April of 77. And when I I went down to the, I appeared at the courthouse for the interviewing a possible jurors in my guard uniform and they chose me to be a juror. And the police, the sheriff's deputies escorted me to the house to get my clothes and uh, we were sequestered for 10 days. I gained 10 pounds in 10 days being away from home and uh, my family
0: did he look like he cared
2: not really
1: that's when he caught the dog so he jumped out of his courthouse window in florence and somehow made it back down to prospect and they sent the dogs out for him and he caught the dogs and tied them to a tree
0: on the night of yates's murder he was carried by Gaskins and Powell in the trunk of a car, and they carried him to Roper's Crossroads in Williamsburg County. When they arrived at the crossroads, Owens stated Gaskins and Powell removed Yates from the trunk and carried him into a cornfield. They were gone for about 30 minutes before returning to John and Susan Owens in the car, in which then they were taken to look at the body of Yates. Owens testified She was shown Yates with a flashlight and could see that his throat had been slashed and there was blood everywhere. Yates' hands were handcuffed behind his back. A grave had already been dug, but was not long enough to hold Yates' body. So his legs were almost cut in half at his knees so that his legs could be folded over to fit into the grave. After they were finished, Gaskins and Powell demanded their money, which was originally a $1,000 from Susan Owens. John Owens testified that Gaskins and Powell later demanded five hundred more dollars, and she gave it to them to pay them off. All were charged with the murder and accessory to a felony. Gaskins and Powell were also charged with armed robbery, robbery, and grand larceny. The four were all indicted, and the venue was changed to Newberry County. The jurors selected were three textile workers one secretary, one parts manager from Western Electric, one teacher of handicapped children, one farmer, one National Guardsman, Mr. Kenneth Waits, one church minister, one plywood company employee, one auto mechanic, and one Duke Power Company employee. There were nine men and three women sequestered overnight in a motel near Newberry. There was less publicity in Newbury County, and the courtroom and courthouse was heavily guarded by two dozen law enforcement officers. There was an officer at each door and window of the courthouse. A security check was made of each person entering the courthouse, and only jurors and witnesses were allowed in at this time. The press and spectators, later allowed in, were placed in the upstairs balcony. If hearing how Yates had been killed wasn't bothersome enough, Johns Owens testified that he heard Yates praying out loud to God shortly before his throat was cut and his body was made to fit in a shallow grave on the night of February 12th, 1975. Here is Kenneth Waits speaking of the trial.
2: I remember that there was... When they opened the, the trial, they had four defendants. I believe it was four. Uh, and Susan Long Kipper Owens, uh, her boyfriend, Pee Wee, and his accomplice, and they all pled not guilty to start with. And as the trial progressed, uh, the other three ended up pleading guilty and Pee Wee Pee- 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 said uh, he was not guilty. He got on the stand and said, "I killed this one. I killed this one. I killed this one. I killed this one. But I didn't kill the one that y'all said, said I killed." Now, uh, supposedly, Susan Owens had hired him to kill uh, Barnwell Yates, and that uh, they. Uh, Pee-wee and this other, the other man held Barnwell Yates while Pee-wee cut his throat. And then they went back to the car and got Susan and her boyfriend to go out and make sure that to verify that he had killed them. And then they went back to his trailer and had a bloody steak. Pee-wee had a bloody steak.
0: Really? A bloody steak right after he brutally murdered someone? Only a true psychopath could act like this. Just the thought of food when on this topic turns my gut and to think he slept every night like a baby and said he had no remorse whatsoever. Sometimes I think he had to have feelings because he buried his niece deeper than others and it was said he gave her a, quote, proper burial, end quote, But who knows? Either way, he's just sick. The next voice you'll hear is Newberry County Sheriff Lee Foster.
3: But, you know, there are other people out there like him. Right. Uh, But, I mean, the whole thing is kind of like, uh, uh, you know, like Silence of the Lambs and Clarice that you've got this uh, bizarre human being that would kill somebody. Without any remorse, uh, truly, uh, you know, having been a college student and you were taking, you know, different courses, you you, you were kind of attuned to stuff like that, and he was truly, in my opinion, uh, uh, a psychopath, but he also was a sociopath, which is uh, probably one of the more dangerous people that do it, that, you know, sociopaths just has no feeling at all and I, I, I took it from just my impression of him then and what I read about him later is that I mean he could care less I mean that was you know he had a calling and that's what he was gonna do
0: do you think he could have been different or do you believe that people are truly born evil and they cannot be changed
1: I do and people was one of those
0: again I tell you I'm no doctor However, I do believe people can be born evil. I understand there are people raised horribly, and then there are those who just snap. But Pee Wee was just evil from day one. At a young age, Pee Wee was harming animals and pulling legs off of frogs to see if they could walk. I get boys will be boys, but what I'm about to say next will help you better understand why I think he was born this way and not raised this way. Pee-wee was born in 1933. He remembers going to a carnival around 1937. Yes, that makes him only four years old. He remembers a snake in a cage, a king cobra to be exact, being fed a live rat. He also remembers everyone's reactions and looks on their faces of horror, but Pee-wee stood there with a heart on. He said, quote, I knew what I had seen was somehow special and important, even though I didn't know why, end I'm going to leave you on this note. Stay tuned for next Monday for another episode. Make sure to follow and subscribe and share with your friends. Special thanks to our guest for this episode.